infants on thrones, the philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland this is episode 680 bathing with street epistemology and it's an interview that I had with Dolly, who's a street epistemologist. It's called Vanilla SE on YouTube. And uh, you're going to hear the uh, interview today. So that's what you're going to be listening to. Enjoy. Welcome to this session of Vanilla Street Epistemology. Today, my guest is Glenn Osland. Am I saying that right? Glenn? Ost- yeah, Ostland. 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 Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, I found out about Glenn from his podcast, uh, Bathing with God. And uh, I listened to those and I was entranced. That was very interesting and fun. And so we're going to do an odd kind of vanilla SE <laughs> today. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, questions of the character inside Bathing with God, which is mostly a dialogue between yourself or maybe something very close to yourself and your imagination. Right. But I'll let quad speak for himself. Uh, <laughs> before we, it, 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 before we start, I, I, I'd like you to tell us about you and then we'll mm-hmm. move into an eight and a half minute piece where quad actually answers some questions I asked last week. Go ahead. All right. Well, so I, uh, I grew up as a Mormon and I was, a, I was a Mormon missionary in Japan, uh, so I spent two years not doing street epistemology, but close. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, um, w- when I got back from my mission, I got interested in folklore and mythology, and I went to Indiana University, and I got a master's degree and almost a PhD. I, I left midway through writing my dissertation, so I'm PhD, ABD in folklore and mythology. And... Um, Let's see. Then uh, in, in the course of studying folklore and mythology, um, I stopped being a Mormon, <laughs> put it that way. Mm. And about uh, 10 years ago, I started podcasting. There, there was a podcast called Mormon Expression that was a lot of mm. ex-Mormons with atheist leanings. Um, mm. I wasn't quite there yet, although I had read Richard Dawkins' God Delusion and identified along with him as a six which surprised me. I, I didn't think I was a de facto mm. atheist, but uh, turns out I was. And then um, uh, about eight years ago, started a podcast called Infants on Thrones, which mm. is a, a group of ex-Mormon atheist leaning, uh, just kind of making fun of the Mormon church, doing making fun of different things that mm. was going on, uh, having conversations about what it meant to us. And in the course of that, maybe two years ago, two or three years ago, we came across uh, Peter Bogosian's A Manual for Creating Atheists mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. read about street epistemology. And I think we did a five or six part series, maybe it was an eight part series, just going through that mm-hmm. book. And one of our listeners 
said, hey, we th- there's this guy, Anthony Magnabosco, and mm-hmm. uh, Reed, is it new, Newcomer? Nice um, Wonder. Nice Wonder, yeah. And so we had both of them on, and uh, that wrapped up our Street Epistemology series. And then I've had Anthony on maybe three or four times since, and um, just really liked him, really liked the approach. And um, in, in the last few years, I've gotten really interested. I got interested in, in like theoretical physics on the one side of things, but then also like spiritual new age channeling things like Seth speaks and Abraham Hicks and all of this stuff over here. So mm-hmm. I kind of put them together along with my folklore background in this book called bathing with God that I, I just mm-hmm. published self published a, a couple weeks ago and I'm creating, mm-hmm. it's not just a book. It's also a podcast. So what you heard mm-hmm. were the first maybe five or six episodes that right constitute the first four chapters of the book and then i'll i'll release a chapter a week until the entire book is is um out in podcast form and Mm -hmm. the the way that i like to think about it is it's kind of like a calvin and hobbes approach Mm -hmm. um like i i love the calvin and hobbes comic strips this this Mm -hmm. little boy calvin with his stuffed and tiger who is also this figment of his imagination. They go on all kinds of adventures and philosophical discussions. Mm -hmm. And so bathing with God is an atheist in a bathtub who hears a voice and the voice may or may not be God. And, um, but definitely identifies as his imagination at the very least. Mm -hmm. And they just go on these, these conversations. And one of the, the biggest topics that I cover in that book is the nature of reality and perception and and one of quad's mm-hmm. claims quad is this imaginary voice quad claims that everything is a fiction and the bather's like what the hell are you talking about everything is a fiction. that doesn't mm-hmm. sound right that doesn't feel right and so there's that this that might be the claim i'm hitting you up on we'll see okay we'll it see. could be it could be um yeah and um so so yeah as i was um looking around for people to read this book and give me feedback i thought about anthony and I reached out to him and, and Anthony put you and I together. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's why we're here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. That's extra special. Yeah. Good. Yes. Uh, I, 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 I have gotten an enormous amount of, of support from my heroes starting this mm-hmm. channel and, and it's, it blows me. It's very much. Okay. So last week when we were talking about this, I wrote down half a dozen questions or I forget. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, sent them to you because we wanted to ask Quad some things, mm-hmm. and you, you turned it into a podcast. So, yeah. without further ado, uh, let's listen to that. Uh, this is about eight and a half minutes. All right. uh, just hold your hand up if you want to pause for anything, but otherwise, we're just going to listen right through. Sure. Production. Play when you're ready. Hey, Quad. Hey, what? I've got some questions for you. Yes, I know. Oh, right, because you know everything, don't you? No, but I am your imagination, so I know everything you know, and then some. And then some, huh? Sure you do. So, we are going to be interviewed by a street epistemologist. Yes, I know. Uh Uh-huh, and he has a few questions for you. Yes, I know. Yeah, I already know you know. So, 
Let me just ask them so that the people listening to this will know what you're responding to. Fair enough. Shoot. Alright, here's his first question. I've heard that you are Glenn's imagination. Where, Where did, did he, he hear that? that? Wait, I, I'm, I'm not finished with his question. I know. But where did he hear that? He listened to the first four episodes of the Bathing with God podcast. Yes, I know. I was there. You were there when he was listening to the podcast? Duh. I'm what he was listening to. What... what do you mean? The book and the podcast, created by me, your imagination, the thoughts we created together, put to words, recorded digitally, transmitted through the internet, touching his eardrums, traveling into his brain, that was all me. What happened after that? Well, that's all him. W what are you talking about? Can I please just ask his first question? Sure, but I think he's confusing you for the bathing character in your book. Whatever, let me just continue with the question. I've heard that you are Glenn's imagination, yet I've also heard that you existed well before Glenn. Will you probably exist well after Glenn? And then a sub-question, will Glenn exist after Glenn? I don't remember saying that I existed before Glenn, but if you really want to get imaginative about it, Einstein's theory of relativity suggests that past, present, and future already exist within the fabric of space-time. To quote Brian Greene from The Fabric of the Cosmos, all time exists all the time. So, if you take that approach, then I have always existed, as have you, and him, and everyone else, within this fabric of time. But it would probably be better to ask if a tree makes sound, if it falls in a forest, if no one's around to hear it. Wait, wh why? Wh what does that have to do with anything? Patience, Iago. I'm getting there. Does a tree make a sound if no one's there to hear it? The correct answer to that question is no, it does not make a sound. Because sound is what happens when disturbed air molecules impact an eardrum. If a tree falls, air molecules will most definitely be disturbed. But if there's no eardrum or any other device around to detect it, aka to hear it, then no, it did not make a sound. Sound requires those two parts. It isn't a sound if one of those parts is absent. Similarly, Glenn's imagination requires both Glenn and his disturbing thoughts to imagine things. I suppose that books and podcasts that Glenn has created through his imagination will probably be around after Glenn is not, but that isn't really what he's asking, is it? What do you think he's asking? I think he's asking if I am more than your imagination. Are you? Of course. Do you care to elaborate? I will with his next few questions, but he's also asking you if you believe that you will exist after death. Do I? Only if you understand Einstein's theory of relativity correctly. Yeah, I'm not sure that I do. I promise that you do not. Okay, thanks for the vote of confidence. Next question. Do you know anything Glenn didn't know before you told him? What does he mean by no? I, I don't know. I, I guess he's asking if you're aware of things that I'm not aware of. How could I be? I am your imagination. So, what is your answer? Do you know things that I don't know before I tell you or not? 
When you bring a question to me, why do you do it? You know, with the way that you avoid giving me straight answers, I'm beginning to wonder that myself. I'm not avoiding anything. But fine, I'll just tell you. You aren't always very aware of all of the things that you actually know. Your brain records data in ways that you really don't understand, and the relationship between your conscious awareness and your subconscious mind is, well, tricky. As your imagination, I pull from your subconscious in ways that sometimes seem to you like I know something that you didn't previously know, but it's really something that you have stored away in that massive basement storage unit that you call your subconscious mind. Alright, so that's your answer? Yes. But if you really want to push his buttons, ask me if I ever go any deeper than your conscious mind. Ask me if I ever scan the massive database of Carl Jung's collective unconscious, or if I ever surf on the waves of Rupert Sheldrake's morphic resonance, or if you really want to get his blood boiling, mention something about Akashic Records. No thanks, I think I'll just move on to the next question. Are you made of highly evolved formless energy? Yes, so is he, so are you, so is everything. This energy is called electrons and quarks, the fundamental energy that makes atoms, and then molecules and cells and tissues and organs and neurons and synapses and all this amazing stuff in the world we live in. It has been evolving long before this small planet was ever formed in this tiny corner of this infinitely expanding universe. This is why I'm more than your imagination, by the way, because the thoughts that you think and the biological mechanism that imagines those thoughts into existence are also formed from this fundamental energy. It is inescapable. This energy is everything. We are all constantly, unavoidably immersed in it. I'd like to see anyone prove that we're not. Wow. A straightforward answer. I'm shocked. Don't be a smartass. Two more questions then. Are you in communication with God? A lot of different people mean a lot of different things when they use the word God. What does he mean by God when he's asking that? I think you're just gonna have to use your own imagination to answer that one. Okay. Then, let me put it this way. Yes. That's it? That's all you have to say about it? You know my take on this question. Let him do his SE skills with you. It'll be fun. This is why you're here. Okay, we'll put a pin in that one, I guess. Last question. What motivates you? You do. I do? Yes. Your curiosity. Your playfulness. Your desire to have fun. You are a thinker. You always have been. You play with ideas the way you used to play with Legos, back before Legos were reduced to following instructions to build specific items. You like to push the boundaries of what you know. You like to take words and ideas like they are sand, and build castles and towns and then knock them down and build them back up again. I'm motivated by the enjoyment you get when you engage with me. Now go have a fun interview, and don't worry, I'll be with you the whole time. I'm not worried. Sure you aren't. I'm everything in everywhere. So that that that's uh oh I have to reset refresh
Uh, oh, but I it, it took my button. It didn't show up. That'll be fine. Okay, so yes, everything is a fiction. Uh, <laughs> y- yes, we're connected to God, but we don't know what God means yet. That's fine. Hmm. Uh, I guess we can start with everything is a fiction. Does that seem like the right uh, claim, or does something else seem better? And and we can change. Yeah, I mean, I can, can I can, I can go where. Yeah, where, wherever you want to go with it. Um, so you want to start with everything as a fiction? Yeah, and I'm I'm asking Quad's opinion uh, because mm-hmm. I recognize that there's at least three people that I could be talking to. I could be talking to the real genuine Glenn, and I could be talking to the Glenn character, and I could be talking to the Quad <laughs> character. So mostly I'm talking to Quad, yeah. I think. Uh, <laughs> well, how about we talk to Glenn? Uh... Because... <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, so let's we'll talk let... to Glenn. Yeah, because so, so is this I, uh, is this uh, going to be the real Glenn or the Glenn character from? Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll go with the real Glenn just just to, just so Glenn. that I don't get like Jordan Peterson hate or something like that. You know, where like okay. I can't I can't nail you down on anything. <laughs> quit 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 wiggling oh, around. Oh no, that's fine. That's fine. So yeah. in a lot of these cases, I'm going to ask you to project what Quinn would say. Or sorry, uh, quad. Quad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, Quinn's another person okay. entirely. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Quad says everything is a fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, how certain do you think Quad is that everything is qualifies as a fiction? Oh, I think that Quad is quite certain um, that that from the perspective of Quad, everything mm-hmm. that a human being thinks and perceives as reality is a fiction. And and okay. what quad means by that is a, a fiction is a composite, like selecting certain details, omitting other details to create uh, a, something that's whole, something that's a story. But but that creation, that fabrication, isn't whole or complete. It's missing things, um, mm. and the things that it's missing could have an impact on what this thing is or not. We don't really know because you don't know what's missing. Okay. You don't know how it could impact what's there. So. So Quad would say, from that perspective, everything is a fiction because humans um, only perceive a small fraction of reality around them through the senses that have evolved to detect a small fraction of what's around us. And these minds that have evolved to do what it is that they do, you know, Quad, mm-hmm. quad is uh, an attempt to think about reality from the the perspective of this source energy, the, these these atoms that were forged in the stars that have been around a lot longer than humans have, a lot longer than this planet has, um, and okay. the, so so yeah, so so he would say that everything is a fiction from the point of view that um, we really don't know what we don't know. Okay, so so sort of sounds like to me definitionally, uh, like there are no married bachelors. That kind of that kind of. So I'm going to pick a hundred, okay. <laughs> and uh, and we're we're happy to move these around. Nobody has to live up to their claims, by the way. In this, in this guy, this case, so it's um, fiction, not exclusive of fact, is I think what I'm hearing for the definition that my yeah. my model that two plus two equals four is a fiction. I'm using math. Math is a fiction. It's a it's a made up language. Yeah, and you're using you're using, you're using symbols, objectivity but... to it. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, the, the way that we communicate those ideas, the, the ideas of mathematics is communicated through traditionally learned symbols. Mm -hmm. You know, like like the okay. number two, and then the plus sign, and then the other two, and then the equal sign. You know, that why isn't that a triangle or a squiggly line or something mm -hmm. else? You know, the, the, these are arbitrary fictions that we. It's a shared fiction. It's an intersubjective fiction that we've all agreed mm -hmm. these are the symbols that we're going to use. Um, yeah. Okay. So in in asserting that everything is, if I if I listen generously, I hear everything that you have inside is just a model of reality and your model is necessarily incomplete and is yeah. obviously potentially inaccurate yeah yeah and i think there's different layers there because you could you could say in comparison to you know mm -hmm. the, the way that i see the world compared to the way that you see the world um there are going to be differences there's going to be variations because your life experience is different from my life experience so so comparing that uh, you know, like mm -hmm. I've got this idea of what the world is. That's a fiction that was created based on everything I've come across in my life. And, and so do you. Um, but then even the things that I think, because mm -hmm. there's this relationship between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, that what I think is real, what I think I experienced may not really be what I experienced. It might be something else. Mm -hmm. So there might even be um, levels of fiction within my own perspective of what i think is yeah, going on delusion, so mismemory misremember mm -hmm. all those sure things. yeah yeah misperception um okay so i'm gonna pick on somebody what if boris right. said hey by calling everything a fiction you are you are denying fact how, what how, how can or, or are you denying fact i don't i don't think it's denying fact but that's the tricky part that that's the tricky part mm -hmm. that i've been uh, like when people have asked me this question in the past, I usually go back to like that Lego example that that mm -hmm. that facts facts are like these these little building blocks, these bricks that we then use to create a story. And um, you know, so so in in the book, there's times where I ask, "Could you give me an example of a fact?" Um, mm -hmm. But I don't. I don't. I'm not sure that I have a really good answer to that question. I don't think because if I really think about it, I and I wanted to make a claim that these facts are fictions. Mm -hmm. I might be able to do it. I might be able to say the 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 fact that we're looking at is a fact only from one given perspective. Maybe from the human perspective, the way that we measure the speed of light, or the, the way that mm -hmm. we understand what a what two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen is mm -hmm. if if we were another species of life altogether we not we might not perceive it that way we might perceive it to be something different so within the the constraints of human perception this is a fact that is is verifiable it's observed um it, it it's repeatable um we're able to accept this as a fact um but uh, you know you, you look at the history of facts they change there's malleability mm -hmm. there so mm -hmm. uh, if if facts are always open to be updated when there's new better data then are they fictions that are constantly becoming better fictions maybe mm -hmm. okay so fictions might be very close to reality or might might be a long ways away and we can't really tell i have a comment or, or so because fictions are the reality that we're experiencing 
Like the, yes. like the reality yes. that I'm experiencing is is a fiction. So I so I think sure. one of the things that I'm hoping to do, just, and and this really has just been my own mind as as I've been trying mm-hmm. to um, reconcile these these differences in in my own mind. If if somebody's saying everything is a fiction, you might think that's very pejorative, or that I'm I'm denying the nature of reality, or I'm saying that everything is false mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. We we associate sure the word sounds fiction like by, like, by episode two or three. Yeah, like yeah, like like, like true or false. You're fact probably going to tell us more. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. can just tell it, you're it, foreshadowing it that we're going to learn some of these details as we move on through the book. I haven't actually picked up the book. I'm just following along with the podcast myself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gauss Prime says so because we have subjective experience that isn't 100 percent accurate. Everything is a fiction. So I think that's a yes. No. Yeah. By the way that I'm defining fiction. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that doesn't mean that it isn't true. And that doesn't mean that it isn't real. And that doesn't mean that it isn't meaningful. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, it's a subjective truth. It's a subjective reality. Okay. Another question from the audience. If you found that other animals use the same maths as we do, <laughs> would this change your approach of what is reality? AKA math is a human fiction. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go more general on that. If we found that animals use math like we do, would it change my view of reality? Absolutely it would. <laughs> what would it change okay. it to? I'm not really sure. But um, yeah, if, if, if that became a fact of nature, then I would need to update what I think nature is. Okay. Uh, another question from the audience. How do you define subjective and objective? How do I define subjective and objective? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I, I, I think uh, that a subjective thing is very personal, um, whereas objective is it could go outside of the personal, and it's, it's true for, for more people than just for one person. Um, mm. I, I think that's, that's kind of the, the, the quick and sloppy okay. way that I think of those two terms. Okay, so for you, the dividing line is uh, subjective, is one or a few and objective is observe a very similar model yeah i you know and if i really wanted to get cynical about it i would say that um everything is subjective and that that Mm -hmm. objective is nested underneath subjective and and the main difference between the two is the number of people that you have agreeing on this and um how uh convincing their evidence is um, to uh, to demonstrate that it's an objective truth and objective reality rather than just a subjective reality. Um, but but again, I mean, going back to what I said earlier, I, I think that even those objective facts can can change if there's newer, better data observations that come along. So then it becomes a new, updated, objective reality. Okay. Violet asks. Can subjective and objective be simultaneously true? Could you give me an example? Uh, Ivy Elf, you're welcome to unmute. Let's see. Uh, and could you give an example of uh, simultaneous on objective and subjective? 
<laughs> to I'm brushing my teeth. Um, okay, so oh, okay. May maybe just the act of brushing your teeth is both a subjective and an objective reality because, you know, if you were having a dream right now that you were brushing your teeth and I was looking at you, I wouldn't see that you were brushing your teeth, but you would be having the subjective experience of brushing your teeth. You might even, your, your mouth might even salivate. You might even taste the mint of the toothpaste in, in, your, in your mind, in your dream, and that's a subjective reality for you. But I'm looking at you sound asleep, and it's not an objective reality that you're brushing your teeth right now. I don't know. I, that, that, okay. That's my stab at the question, <laughs> okay. the way that I understand those terms. For follow-up, are feelings subjective, and are they objectively true? Mm, I think that feelings are subjective, and um, I think it's it's. I I, I guess I guess I, I would need to better understand how you're using the terms uh, subjective and, and objective. Um, mm -hmm. But I I think I think if 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 the two of us or or if we're in a group and we're exposed to the same incident. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump standing up to deliver a speech and somebody is like just okay. filled with pride and patriotism and another one is filled mm -hmm. with loathing. Um, mm -hmm. so, so is it objectively true that we're having emotional experiences to this thing? Yes. Are the emotional experiences the same? No, they're different. Why are they different? Because we, we are different. <laughs> we, mm -hmm. we have different yeah. reasons for feeling what we feel. Are, are each, is each response legitimate? Yes. Is each response valid? Yes. Is each response okay. really happening? Yes. So um, I think that's how I, I would answer that question. I like that. <laughs> yes, you are welcome. We are entertaining your questions. Of course we are. That's what we do here. We love <laughs> the questions from the audience. Um, yeah. Okay, so I think I, I think I understand your position and Quad's position regarding the fiction question that yeah. it's all a question of models and it's all subjective and objective is maybe reachable asymptotically, but you can't ever get to perfect objective. You can get closer and closer to objective and you might be yeah. wrong. That kind of thing. I'm hearing that. Okay. Uh, very good. So I, I think, uh, th thank you for that conversation. I appreciate that. Um, you know what I'm interested in, in having you yes. ask me about, Yes, please. Um, because because I, I want to explore how I really feel about this, too. Th this idea yes. of, of source energy equals God, um, which with another way of saying that is that the energy that makes up us and everything in the world is intelligent and is, is um, ah. omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, the creator of all things. Okay. Like... There's no evidence. There's no evidence mm -hmm. um, that I'm aware of, aside from the fact that we are <laughs> intelligent. Like we, we are aware. Mm -hmm. We we are conscious. Yeah. And and so yeah. there's that question: is is the energy that makes us also aware and conscious in ways that we just don't understand and we can't um, perceive? And that's where it gets into those kind of God territories that um can be uncomfortable for an atheist to explore yeah okay uh so 
I'm going to, I'm going to treat this like a fresh claim. Source energy equals God or source energy leads to God or all of the source energy is God or any of those things. Mm -hmm. So make that a squiggly equals me. Uh, mm -hmm. Roughly similar to. So uh, what do you see are the minimum qualifications to qualify as a God? You cut out there. What are the minim minimum qualifications for, for what? For something to qualify as God. What are some of the things that God, it, for it to be called God, it has to have at least these qualities or property? Yeah, I mean, this might not be the best one to take it on because I have no idea how to answer that question. I, okay. I, because I, yeah, I, I, um, I, I think that that question makes it seem like there are that there there's there's times when calling something god is appropriate and times when calling god mm -hmm. is not appropriate and when is it appropriate and when is it not appropriate and mm. i i don't feel comfortable answering that i don't even know how i feel about that dolly okay. Good, <laughs> um, yes. well that that's, that's I, because i do think answer. that yeah okay mm -hmm. so we're uncertain right. about what would qualify something to be defined as god so now yes. we're looking at what do you know about the source energy uh, that might lead you to think that it is, you, you mentioned intelligent. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. source energy intelligent. Yeah. So, so what, what I understand about source energy, and uh, I also use that inter interchangeably with subatomic energy um, or maybe quantum energy, uh, that it it is for, first and foremost a field that fills the entire universe okay. that that um a quantumized bundle of the electron field is an electron and all of the electrons in my body are connected to all of the electrons that are in your body and everywhere in, mm -hmm. in the universe and okay. the reason that i have a, a high degree of certainty in that claim is that there's a, a physicist named David Tong at Cambridge who okay. had, he said it <laughs> and, and okay. it made sense to me and uh, I accept what he said there. So I, so I, I start from there and then look at what that energy is doing that, you know, the electrons, the quarks, they, they combine in some way to create atoms the atoms create molecules, the molecules create cells, and, and on upwards to organs and systems and, you know, an, an entire human body. And I can, I can ask at different stages there, is there some kind of awareness? Is there something that is intelligent? Um, D DNA obviously is intelligence, and it's, it's in intelligent that is this energy that's organized in a certain way that pre creates a blueprint for the human body. Um, we know that, that, that our conscious minds, our, our personality is aware and, and intelligent. Um, the cells in our bodies that interact with the environment around them and they open up to let in certain things. They stay closed to, to other things. They communicate with each other. There's some form of awareness. It looks like there's some kind of an intelligence. I mean, each nucleus in that cell carries the DNA itself. So, so just yes. by deduction it would make me think that at every level you go down, there would be some form of awareness, especially since you look at how far we 
we have come as a species, Homo sapien, in this short amount of time on this planet Earth, in our own evolution, that's an extension of this energy that's also been evolving. It, it, what, it is the energy <laughs> that's been evolving um, mm -hmm. in certain narrow conditions that create Homo sapien as opposed to yes. frogs or mushrooms or trees or you mm -hmm. know, other, other expressions of this energy. And mm -hmm. which also evidence their own form of intelligence and awareness and consciousness. Okay. So, so that that's what that that's what gives me some degree of certainty that this energy is intelligent. So, you said DNA. Does that does this mean that something that shows? So imagine that I've got DNA in a virus and it is in mm -hmm. a dormant state. Would okay. you agree that that is not a lie? Um, you know the 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 word I, I I yeah I mean if 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 you're defining life as separate from existence, I, I would say it's definitely existing. It's there. Mm -hmm. Um, is it, is it, but you're saying it's dormant, so it's not alive, it's dormant, it's, it's sleeping, it's not activated yeah. intelligence. <laughs> um, yeah, but so it's, the DNA is not performing any of its ordinary function. Yeah, uh, but it's there. Dormancy. Yeah, sure. It's there. And it shows, it shows lots of information and lots of potential mm -hmm. to, if, interacting in the right system it can almost like choose to do the right thing or yeah train to do the right yeah thing. yeah so and then wanna, choose, choose is a really interesting word <laughs> well i just yeah, say choose uh, is a really uh, interesting uh, word to use it's problematic but yeah it, it is it is the 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 choose thing comes down to when i'm trying to define intelligence is a thermostat intelligent it's a thermostat in mm. my mind is the simplest possible robot for me, I define yeah. a robot uh, as something that can measure something about the world and then make a choice of action based on that measurement. Mm -hmm. and I'm so going to look I, up I intelligence real quick. As a really, really, yeah. Uh, and, and, it, and I'm most, mostly concerned about your meaning of intelligence. And I'm sure it doesn't have to match, match the, the dictionary. Uh, but I, I've, so, I've tried to keep my definitions as close to definition or dictionary definitions as possible. So, so intelligence good, here, the ability to, the ability to acquire and apply knowledge and skills, the yeah. collection of information. Um, so a thermometer would be a collection of information. It's a way to yeah. gauge. A thermostat. Oh, a thermostat. A um, thermostat. It's actually going to turn on and off the heater or the air conditioning based on. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I've got I've got those. Um, I forget what they're called, but it's a, a smart thermostat that you know like yeah. recognizes patterns, and it, so it has the ability to acquire and apply knowledge and skills. It'll shut itself off. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's some form of intelligence in that um, thermostat. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, that example. I could you know that's some artificial intelligence. In there's some fuzzy logic. Yeah. Some good programming. And yeah. a simple like a bimetal mechanical thermostat that just moves up and down based on the temperature and closes a switch. That would seem like the rudimentary, the one bit intelligence. I don't know mm -hmm. intelligence. Okay. Um, 
Okay, F asks, uh, Frederick asks, how did you come to the conclusion that this specific energy is shared among very different things? DNA, quantums, molecules. Uh, and you may have already answered this because I think you're saying yeah. that all energy from the subatomic out and everything, all the energy that was 10 to the 80 yeah. something particles in the Big Bang. Yeah. And maybe a lot more because we don't know what the limits of it. Yeah, um, that, that came from theoretical physicist David Tong of Cambridge University. Mm -hmm. um, there's a YouTube video called Quantum Field Theory, The Building Blocks of Reality. I watched that okay. about a year or two ago, and it just blew my mind. Okay. And, and, uh, and that, that, that was what made me think, oh, okay, so all of this energy that we are is connected to everything else. So I haven't asked your confidence in, in this source energy relating to quantum energy uh, uh, quantum field theory mm -hmm. do you think one I, I haven't asked your confidence and i'm wondering if your confidence is proportionate to the evidence you're telling me about or if there's a lot more evidence and maybe your confidence is higher than what would come from my confidence is probably higher than the evidence okay yeah do you care to throw that on a scale of 100 my confidence in it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, no pressure I'd, on... Actually, I'd give it, I'd, I'd give it a, maybe a 90. Let's call it a 90. Okay, yeah. a 90. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident, yeah. Good. And, and remind uh, me, what did I just give a 90? I gave a 90 that... that um, uh, a 90 to uh, that uh, David Tong's quantum field theory is, is correct? Yes, that David Tong understands quantum field theory, and therefore yeah. you're saying that if he is yeah. correcting what he says, that yeah. source energy is all that energy that the physicists are talking, and which includes mass yeah. energy. Yeah, so I mean, source energy is just—it's just a term that I'm using for um, that mm -hmm. uh, um, that that energy, those energy fields. Okay. Um. Uh, how do we differentiate between intelligent energy versus dumb luck? If something, I, I, I have dice. Yeah. And if I roll a dice, is there intelligence? Yeah. Well, the, the, the intelligence in those dice are, is, whatever the mechanism is that has the the atoms arranged in such a form that they are dice and that they are you and that they're your hand that's falling and, and, and rolling it um so um and then dumb luck is i mean i think there's laws of physics that would tell you the velocity of of your your roll and how it's spinning in the dice and that's okay. what determine you know like the dumb luck thing but uh, so I, the, the question is the relationship between intelligent energy uh, is, is um, and dumb luck. Yeah, those are cool. What are they? Three D printed dice. These are these are gaming uh, dice. Okay. Uh, that are that are sort of a different shape, and I thought it'd be fun to talk about yeah. dice because you were talking about the form. So if I roll yeah. a dice, yeah, is is it determined? The result will be before no, I roll the dice. I, I don't no. think so. 
Okay, so yeah. uh, I, ha I have I have happens. very low confidence that anybody can mentally will <laughs> that I'm going to oh, roll double sevens and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my if you're uh, asking about my level uh, of confidence there of of intelligent energy being able to d predict or determine the outcomes of what that energy is or does, um, yeah, yeah. It, no, I, I'm not confident. I don't have okay, high confidence. Okay, so intelligence there. intelligence probably can't see. The next one is determinism versus random. If I were able to go back, uh, roll some dice, and then go back in a time machine, mm -hmm. would I see the same dice rolled? Uh, if time were replayed, would it come out the same? This is a hard determinism versus soft determinism question. I like the question. Um, if, if all things that went into that roll the first time are exactly the same the second time around then you'll get the same result i would expect um okay. but if you got us if you got a different result then i would think okay there's some variables in here that have changed what are they okay. something something's different this isn't this isn't the exact same moment that we're reliving there's something different that yeah. happened in here that gave, you know so that's what i would think yeah well there might be two of me five minutes ago that, that could really mess things up Oh yeah, the, just the fact that you're so, there, yeah, you know, you, yeah. you you've already McFly'd yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's there's so many stories about what happens with time travel and none of them. I don't think any. <laughs> uh, time uh, travel. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so determinism, we're unsure about determinism versus randomness. That's okay. The so the, this this comes down to trying to understand what qualifies as intelligence, and mm -hmm. I think I think uh, my limit my min minimum intelligent example is a thermostat. Uh, but you were talking about the intelligence, uh, even like something that could be called awareness at mm -hmm. the cellular level, or even the atomic level. Could you speak to that? Yeah, and intelligence and awareness are probably two separate things. Um, okay, I, I I think that in intelligence is um, collecting collecting information and then doing something with that information. Okay, um, and I think awareness is maybe one of the things that results as you know as, as a result of having certain information organized in a certain way. You know, like I I, I would say that. If we're looking at rocks compared to human beings, mm -hmm. down at the fundamental energy level, it's the same stuff. It's it's electrons and quarks, and you know. But but the way that it's organized up up through its organization, there's intelligence at each level. Um, but there's is there awareness at each level? And I I don't know. There's not the same level of awareness or consciousness that a rock has that a human being would have. And there isn't any evidence really that a, that a rock has any awareness at all. Um, mm -hmm. But if but if I'm looking at the cells in my body, um, mm -hmm. or I'm looking at, at certain single celled organisms like a paramecium, a, a paramecium is able to move towards food and move away from danger. How does it know mm -hmm. to do that? Um, I, I yeah. think that's a form of fundamental awareness. Um, it's not the same thing as human consciousness, but it might be a, a, an early like we evolved from that. <laughs> you know, the, all of the cells yeah. in our bodies used to be single-celled, floating around organisms until they grouped together 
to eventually over a long period of time become what we are. And so mm -hmm. we're looking at the history of, or the evolution of awareness, the evolution of consciousness, maybe the evolution of intelligence as, uh, as an organism learns in their environment and they pass genetically to another thing. It, you know, like it evolves and it branches out into 8 billion different species of life. And each one of them is a form mm -hmm. of intelligence and consciousness. Okay. Do you have to have awareness to have intelligence or do you have to have intelligence to have awareness? Are those two ideas yeah. tied together? My, my guess, and I don't have a strong degree of certainty in this, but my guess would be that intelligence comes first. And, you know, because I, again, I would say that the energy inside of the, the rock is intelligence. It is a manifestation of intelligence that it, it's able to arrange itself in that form. And, um, but is it conscious and aware? I don't think so, but there are some forms of intelligence that are conscious and aware. So I, I, I think that's the relationship okay. between the two of them, but I'm not strongly confident on it. All right. Uh, from the audience, is your idea of source energy a human fiction? I paraphrased that. I hope I understood yeah. For sure. It is. For sure. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, Gauss asks, black hole, are black holes intelligent because they collect energy? Is there, <laughs> I'm first, yeah, I, this presumes that black holes are intelligent. So before I even, are black holes yeah. intelligent? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it, a, a black hole is a collapsed star, right? Yeah. Um, do do uh, what happens? What happens to the atomic energy inside of the star that makes it collapse in on itself? Is are, is, is there a, atomic? Are there atoms? I don't know enough about black holes. I can't I love say the question, what's on the though. inside of a black hole, but before a black hole forms, there's a great deal of mass, and I think there's a shining mm -hmm. that's like 2.7 solar masses, or I forget. But if it's bigger than something something, and then it goes through a supernova, the inner part will collapse down to below a particular radius, and a, yeah. an event horizon will be formed, and then no further mass will go out past that, because... Yeah. It would have to go faster than the speed of light. Essentially, yeah. space-time is curved enough to where the speeds. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, 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 I love this idea. Very densely packed atoms. So, if mm -hmm. if it's very densely packed atoms, I would say that what is it packed with? And it's packed with what I would say is intelligence. That that mm. that for whatever reason, when black holes form, there's like this. Okay. This this pattern that, that, that like the life cycle of a star, the life cycle of an of an atom, um, mm -hmm. or, or the, the the atoms in that star. And so it's following a certain rhythm and pattern that's predictable. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, what is it that's making it do that? Well, it's doing it itself, but it's its own intelligent Gravity. response to yeah the forces around it. Okay. And you know, so so is a it's rock an interesting question. Hill doing an intelligent thing. Is it doing an intelligent thing? Yeah, it's a, ro a rock. Is it, is it gathering intelligence gravity. with each, with each, with each little bump on it? Is it like feeling mm -hmm. the impact of it and recording it? And I don't know what is it is that mm. somehow impacting what it is um, and, and changing it? Is it recorded? Is it aware that that's happening? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I love the question though. Okay. Uh... Frederick asks, would you agree with the idea that mountains, lands, objects are the result of an intelligent energy? Yeah, I mean, 
uh, yeah, and anything is the result of an everything is the result of an intelligent energy if if you accept that atoms um, are intelligent energy. Okay. Yeah, but that but that's not yeah. the same thing as saying that there's like some god or some intelligent I being agree. that's the, the the given the blueprint of anything like that. So I I, I want to extend the that. definition of intelligence down to the nano. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Uh, now, is there a gradient of intelligence? Uh, I think so. Some things more intelligent than okay. So if yeah, I would think so. Um, for me, when I walked in here, I, I I had that for my gradient of intelligence, the least one that I had an example was that thermostat that I was talking. Makes mm. one measurement, two, makes a simple binary choice based on a simple measurement. Doesn't even really have memory. I mean, it's it that's that's a that's a robot with the least amount of intelligence. But of course, it's composed of atoms and that sort of thing. And then we have humans, which have more intelligence. We have animals that are somewhere in the middle. Um, if everything is intelligent, what does it mean to say that something is intelligent? If I say my version of intelligence <laughs> is thermostat up and your version goes further down, hmm, uh, it, if we include everything in it, are we saying anything? I, you know, there's that, that reminds me of one of the quotes that I have in the book of, you know, like you might as well, mm -hmm. if you're going to call God everything, everything yeah. isn't distinct from anything <laughs> and so it doesn't really right. show you anything <laughs> it's not really very instructive right. i think i think i think you're asking a version of that question here I think um, I am. but but it, you know if if so if i understand you're asking me if there are gradations of intelligence and if so mm -hmm. but if it's all intelligent what's the point of even uh, looking at at gradations is that is that your question Maybe, uh, or maybe desiring a uh, a word for the intelligence below some arbitrary boundary, so that we could say because this higher intelligence exists, and maybe there's this lower intelligence, or maybe there's this mid range intelligence. Therefore, yeah. we can come to a conclusion about something. Whereas, if it's all intelligence, there's no conclusions I can draw. I think. Yeah. See, if if I'm thinking about an atom, or if I'm if if I even break apart an atom to. Uh, mm -hmm. To, to, to this quantum energy, these quarks um, or, or electrons. Um, and I think about them the way that I would think of like a seed that I plant in the ground that grows into a tree. You know, like a, a, a seed has the genetic information to know, okay, this is mm -hmm. going to be an apple tree compared to a tomato bush, you know, something like that. Yes. But, mm -hmm. but this fundamental energy is all of those things. It can be all of those things. So I wouldn't mm -hmm. look at that as a lower intended um, energy i would look at that as a higher um intelligence because it has the potential to become anything and everything it's just when it interacts in certain ways or combine you know like whatever the binary code of nature is from the quantum quark up quarks and down quarks um it it can arrange itself in any of those things so i i i might say that that's a higher intelligence even though it's at a lower level how we would usually think of it and that that our minds, our ability to think is one expression of what that intelligence is doing. And, and we typically think of intelligence in terms that we'll, we're familiar with. And so we think of an intelligent mm -hmm. person or having an intelligent conversation or something like that. And, and I, I'm, I'm thinking of it more in the mm -hmm. terms of the, the energetic potential to become something, you know, like that DNA. Like, like okay. I, I ask in, in the book, is there some kind of energetic DNA behind our DNA? Um, 
Like, how is mm. it that that energy knows how to grow and become all of the things, the, the many, many things that we are aware of, and even more that we're not aware of that exist in this universe? Hmm. It's all of it. It knows how to do all of it. Yeah. It knows. It I think has we the just dropped into evolution and life. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. Um, yeah. All right. So it almost seems like this intelligence is sort of like the. Uh... <laughs> we got a, we got a if, Jordan Peterson reference. Something... I was trying to avoid that. But... <laughs> oh, was it? I, yeah, somebody I'm commented. It sounds like Jordan Peterson. Peterson. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they're right. I I don't know Jordan Peterson well enough to know that. I, I don't know him that well. I do either, know sometimes yeah. he bloviates for a while, and I try to follow it, and yeah. I just can't. But and other times yeah. he says things that are just like obviously, yeah. Well, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. Like it sounds like Jordan Peterson taking a word, making it into something only he understands. Yeah, I've noticed Jordan <laughs> Peterson doing that sometimes. I think in this uh -huh. case, though, we're trying very hard to. Uh, make it yeah. make it a word that we're all getting. Uh, and if you want to understand I, more about how Glenn thinks, check out the podcast. Yeah. He, he he exposes his brain very well in this. Yeah, I, I also think uh, that that most people, when we use words, we don't take the time yeah. to define what we actually mean by the words that we're using right. because it's so cumbersome and pedantic and tedious. And so, yes, the the change of language is so sloppy all, all the times mm -hmm. that somebody like Jordan Peterson that says, well, here's what I mean when I use this word and it's different than what other people are, are meaning or this, this mm -hmm. common fiction that this is what the word means for everyone. <laughs> you know, like, well, it mm -hmm. doesn't really. And so here's, right. here's what it means to me. I'm explaining it to you and maybe it's confusing. Uh, mm -hmm. Why wouldn't it be? It's, it's coming out of my experience, That's okay. which isn't <laughs> your experience. And, you know, I get it. I welcome confusion. I, I, I welcome especially <laughs> a path through confusion. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it seems like the thing you were calling intelligence or the intelligence force or the force that causes DNA to become more complex and, and uh, improve over time hmm. um, is sort of like the localized reversal of entropy that life means. Mm. And, and that that kind of can bring it into me for, for, for a physics perspective of, of that. We, the general rule mm -hmm. is entropy is always down, but when mm -hmm. we can cause a localized reversal of it, we could get to something really profound. But, Remind me. And en entropy is saying that everything is in a constant state of um, increasing chaos, like going from a state of order to chaos. Is that entropy? I'll accept that. Yeah, that's pretty close. Uh, it, so it, when you're saying reverse entropy, you there's a difference between, you know, there's cold places and there's hot places and entropy means that it's all getting close to the same temperature. So eventually when enough entropy happens, we will no longer have a capacity to do work because while there'll be all the energy, there won't be a work potential left. Mm. The getting rid of the work potential is, is okay. the so if you can generate a work potential because you're in a gradient, and you can have a localized reversal of that to where you can generate more and more work potential. That's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about in terms of okay. life. Hmm. Hmm. 
I, I'm nodding as if I understand what you just said, but I really don't. So right. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm right at the, I'm right at the edge of my own understanding right there anyway. Yeah, so I don't yeah. even, my confidence keeps dropping the more words I add. <laughs> uh, okay. So a uh, question, if dumb luck could potentially be the creation force of the world or universe. So just a random thing happened and it started. And same, mm -hmm. and the same possibility would be for the source energy as well. It makes you pick the second instead of the. I didn't follow that. Okay, um, let me see if I can paraphrase. If it's possible that the world came to be as it is through chance, and the same possibility would be for this source energy. So, if the source energy were intelligent. No, I, I, I don't think that you would say that. I, I think you're saying that the source energy is intelligent and and you're seeing the the advantages of an intelligent design. I think you're seeing intelligent design in the world to say that there's intelligence all the way down to well, the sub here's where here's where my mind goes with that that mm -hmm. that question is like what's the relationship between intelligent energy and dumb luck or, or chance. And mm -hmm. I, wh where I go with that is I, I look at evolution and I ask, you know, it, did, did life evolve on this planet as a result of dumb luck and circumstance? And yeah, mm -hmm. but, but, but it's dumb luck and circumstance that then influences the course that that species is going to go and other species is going to go. And so the, the, these these random events that happen that then have an impact on the next version of of life. Ha, mm -hmm. What is the mechanism of uh, adapting to a hostile environment? There, there there's information that's recorded and stored, and that's how we, mm -hmm. evolution happens. So it's it's intelligence that's working its way through this model of randomness and and dumb luck. That's how I would see it. Natural selection, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but okay. you can't have natural selection without that intelligence that's that's recording and remembering and um, hmm. why you know and and and, and th those are such anthropomorphic words to use yeah. that, that to try to put that on this idea of energy makes it problematic. But but that okay. um, so let me take you back to a time when there was yeah. one cell. I don't mean single cells. Okay. I mean, there mm -hmm. was one. There was because there okay. was a first one, right? <laughs> I assume. I assume I would be a, a biogenesis worked by that there was one cell and then there became multiple. Mm. Uh, and that cell splits. Was that the first decision that was ever made? Well, I, is it a decision? I mean, is it? Are you saying it was a conscious choice? Uh, you know, you start with one cell, but mm -hmm. that that cell. Um, if, if you were really going to look at how it got there, it's, it's how many, how many, um, molecules are in that cell and how, how many atoms oh. are in those molecules. And is this the first time that those atoms were ever arranged in such a way to create those molecules and then to create that cell? And then like, how does the cell know to split and divide? Why is it doing it? W were there cells mm -hmm. that arose first, but didn't split and divide and they just divided out. And so a natural selection of survival mm. were cells that were able to split and, and divide. And so that cell that was able to do that then duplicated more and, and, and kept evolving 
because there is that in, intelligence that in the form of the DNA or I, is it RNA at a cell level? I don't know what it is at a cell level. Maybe it is DNA that says that what I'm duplicating into is going to follow this blueprint with this, mm-hmm. these tendencies and characteristics that allow it to split and reproduce. And mm-hmm. that's going to keep it going. Others that don't, sorry, no soup okay. for you. I'm only, I mostly only know eukaryotic cells, like the kind I'm made of. I don't know about hmm. RNA life back in the abiogenesis time. I completely don't yeah. know that stuff. Yeah. Okay, last few questions. Hypothetically, what could you learn? This is not something that has to be true, but what could you learn hmm. tomorrow that would increase your confidence that things are intelligent all the way down to the subatomic? What could I learn tomorrow that would increase my confidence that intelligence mm-hmm. exists all the way down to the atomic level? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think if I if, if if I hopped onto YouTube and I watched like a TED talk or a lecture um, of of somebody who had discovered something and was presenting some evidence that I hadn't heard before. Um, that, that might be something that could make, if you're asking me what that evidence would be, I'd, I'd really have to spend some time with, with quad on that one, because now we're really going into the imagination. (laughs) Oh, if you do, please record it and and allow me to listen in. I would love to hear what quad has to say about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll Uh, do that. I'll do that. Especially. And then, and then the opposite question is what hypothetically could you learn tomorrow that would reduce your confidence that intelligence Mm. reaches all the way down into the subatomic? Yeah, I, I, let, let me put a pin on those and I'll work on those and I'll get Good. something to you because... Um, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, uh, th- those are great questions. What, what would reduce my confidence? Um, what would be disconfirming evidence for me? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at that. Okay. Well, that's the end of my flowchart. Uh, the hypotheticals <laughs> okay. are the last thing that I usually ask. Uh, and then I don't want to hide behind neutrality. Is there anything you want to ask me about any of these topics? I'm not even sure that I have positions on most of them. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, it's, it's yeah. a fun conversation. I, I, I enjoy uh, having it. And then, you know, be, because of my background, um, being raised as a Mormon, certainty uh, was <laughs> a fiction that we were, we were spoon fed, um, mm-hmm. you know, standing up in front of everybody in church and saying, I know that this is true. I know that this is true. I know that this mm-hmm. is true. And so part of my deconstruction of, of all of that has been, I, I, I really have had to get comfortable living in a world that I'm not certain in and then applying that to other models of reality mm-hmm. that I come. And, and that, that's what I really like about street epistemology when I've come across it. It's like, okay, well, we, we really don't want to attack you but we want to understand mm-hmm. how do you have this level of certainty in uh, the claims that you have, and um, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really have anything more to to say to that. But I, that I really appreciate the approach, and I, I, I like the the, the group. I, I, you know, I'm not active in the community of street epistemologists, mm-hmm. but the ones that I've interacted with, I've really enjoyed the interaction um, mm-hmm. tremendously. Um, yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of our community. Really yeah. big fan. Uh, a regular question that we get is, "What is your favorite color?" Blue. 
again, it's <laughs> sometimes I'm green. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Blue, sometimes, sometimes green. green. Okay. Oh, I do have a question for you, Don. Yes. You, you, your first response um, when we were chatting on Discord was um, mm -hmm. that that you you both liked and disliked what you heard, and and you said something yes. about how it was it was helping like test the thickness of your skin. Um, yes. or something along those lines. Could you talk about that a little bit more? That uh, that was an interesting comment. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I think you play quad as... I, I think you play quad very well as, as uh, over-certain and a bit um, condescending. Yes, I already, <laughs> I already know that. I already yeah, know that. Right. And, and I think yeah. that's a fun fun uh thing and so it it reminds me that the game that that yeah. quad is playing i i my knee-jerk reaction would be this is like oh yes yeah. and and yeah. i love that i'm not allowed to do that and uh <laughs> right. I, i've i've grown to really like quad in spite of um in in spite of those things which would really turn me off <laughs> yeah so yes Quad, quad is yeah. is a good guy and a bad guy all at once, uh, and and vague and infuriating and and that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I meant. Oh, let's see. Pasta Mike asks, "What is your favorite ice cream flavor, and is there a potential flavor yet to come out that could change your mind <laughs> on your current choice?" <laughs> I, I'm I'm not I'm not a huge consumer of ice cream, but when I am, I like um, what is it? Hagen Dazs has like a, a coconut pineapple. I really okay. like that one. Um, is there a flavor that could come out that would knock my socks off? Oh, for sure, but I just don't know what it is mm -hmm. yet. Um, mm -hmm. it, it it would it would have a, a really nice mixture of tangy tartness, sweet. And mm. I'll tell you this: I, I was in, I was in, um, I was in Peru, um, mm -hmm. in in Lima, and there was a, a dessert there called uh, chirimoya. It's a fruit called chirimoya that okay. it's almost like the texture of a grapefruit, and but maybe it kind of tastes a little bit like a a Chinese lychee. And okay. it was something I'd never never experienced before and it was just absolutely fantastic um and i can't get them up here in the u.s it's only done in, in peru so um yeah there's there's definitely some things uh, ahead of me in my life to experience that could become my new favorites when it comes to ice cream flavors or desserts or anything like that yes pasta mike has agreed definitely and in <laughs> case that sounds delicious yeah uh pineapple, pineapple coconut um it's been a while since i've uh tasted ice cream i have to be very very careful with sugar yeah, uh, yeah. And, and i would agree it's going to be something in the sweet and sour at the same time mm -hmm. and i'm probably in my case going to add alcohol which is another thing i'm not allowed to have <laughs> you yet. got so, to avoid uh, you know it's all the things i can't have all in one little cup with gin <laughs> and jerry's written on the side probably uh -huh. anyway yeah all right Thank you very much for this conversation. Uh, does anybody yeah, else in the audience me. have any questions that they'd like to pipe up, pipe up with before I release him? Forbidden dessert. Yes, okay. It is forbidden dessert. In the moment, uh, this is Glenn's channel. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Website. 
and he's going to add the current podcast to it. He's already had. Yeah, I need to update it. Yeah. So you can yeah. while away the hours listening to Glenn and Glenn's imagination, amongst other things. And uh, if you're at all like me, I guarantee you will be entertained by it. Thank you very much, Glenn, for coming aboard. Yeah, uh, thank you, Dally. I really enjoyed I it. I really appreciated the conversation. Thank you. Cool. Here are five uh, YouTube channels that I like very much, and they are part of a list of maybe 12 or 13 right now that are under the promoted channels if you go to my YouTube channel. These are all about SE. If you are really interested in this method of street epistemology my favorite uh, oh, it doesn't matter if that's not, that's not a right sentence if you're really interested go to streetepistemology.com it's one of my favorite places where we've gathered all this stuff together written by the community and this is provided by Street Epistemology International thank you for joining for this edition of Vanilla Street Epistemology if you would like to be a guest on my show in doing SE together or talking about SE or any of the categories that I have. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Ain't we making it up? We're making it all up. What else can we do? Yeah, Hi, this is Hillary. Matthew Ryan. Carol Dutchley. And I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating. And write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Keep on making it up, making it all up. What else can we do? Yeah, we're making it up, we're making it all up. It's the only way to get through, cause life's so hard, but life's alright. Because I'm here with you tonight, making it up, we're making it all Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.